0: He is risen. He's risen yes, he is. OK, um, I just uh, I need to consult with somebody in the back of the church here. Leonard, are you guys on day 11? Is that right? OK, so last week I introduced you to this book. You really should all go by. There's two volumes of this. There's volume one is for, you know, the basic things of life that we do, um, you know, going to the store, making a meal um setting up a christmas tree but this is an entire entire volume that they were actually he was asked to make and suffering and he's like yeah that's going to be an entire other book that's an entire other thing and so here's what's in this book uh when the news is bad Seasons of uncertainty, feelings of infirmities before a medical treatment for long term caregivers for those who tend to the sick and the dying for caregivers in need of rest uh, to stir courage in the in a child facing death for one who lingers in a long dying uh, to begin a bedside before ending life support. To welcome another into my grief, for removing one's wedding ring, pages and pages of liturgies about sorrows and things that cause pain. I would encourage you, if you want something that's just absolutely a wonderful devotional tool, these are all called Every Moment Holy, and they are wonderful. And today, um, today the Bailey's are in day eleven of sixteen. Days of grieving for the loss of a child. And I'm gonna open up by just reading that as I did last week to give you an idea of where they're at. Kind of. Not every day is perfect. Uh, it says this um, I am too broken, too heartbroken, too shattered, and scattered, and splintered, and rent to find comfort in anything but you, O Christ. Then it says this, because they literally have thought of everything. A single parent or any who feel alone in their grief might add this. So consider that there are single parents who've lost a child, and they don't have a spouse to grieve with, and these people have thought, oh, this might be a thing. Here's what we'll say. For who is there to hold me in my grief? I have no one to bear this pain with me. No one who shares these inmost nameless parts of what it means to lose this very child. There is an intimacy to every loss as if it were a temple built of grief. And even those who love me can't approach the inner sanctum of my ache. Their sympathies are once or twice removed from this holiest of hard and holy places. The only one who first received the gift of this child and held and knew them as their very own could journey to this inmost well of sorrow and drink with me these waters at their source. And I have none to share these tears with me, no solace of communion, at this pool of deepest grief o oh, spirit be to me more present than a spouse be to me a comforter and confidant and a counselor who sees and understands my every tear and doubt and thought and fear who knows my love and hope my heart my loss who names the secret wounds that I have no words for to name who bears it all with me who walks his shadowed road with me who lights a lamp to comfort me who shares this well of sorrow O spirit of the living God now meet and carry me amidst my solitary grief I need nothing less, O Lord, than to feel your arms around me, to hear your voice in my ear, to feel the warmth of your own tears against my cheek. Sometimes there are no words. Which is going to make the next thing I read you seem like whiplash. Because the psalm for today is this. Please rise. As we hear... From Psalm 150, which seems completely out of place in a day like today, it says this, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for this psalm that sometimes seems impossible to get to, especially on days like today. And so, Father, we thank you that it is here, and we thank you that it is here on purpose for us on days like today. And thank you for your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. All right, so the one of the things that I want to attempt to do today is to is to kind of have this be what we might consider a Boy Scout sermon, which means that the point is, hopefully, we will leave this place a little better than when we came in, right? That's one of the things that Boy Scouts always try to do at a campsite, they try to leave it just a little bit nicer than when it when we came in. And to do that, we need to talk about music, and specifically, we need to talk about vinyl music so um for those of you who are young little like under the age of 10 raise your hands if you're under the age of 10 okay so a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away they used to have music okay and now we listen to it streaming but before that we actually downloaded it and had to pay money to own the music Okay, but before that we had to buy CDs we had to pay for those right and then when it came into downloadable We had to pay for it again. Okay, but before we bought the CDs we had to buy the tapes And the tapes were like these cassette things and there was like stuff in them and they went this way And then they broke and then we bought all of our music again We bought it on CDs and then we bought it again on download and now it's free Which is like the craziest thing in the world, but before we had cassette tapes we had vinyl And what's crazy is that vinyl is popular again. And so some people who had vinyl collections and gave it away for like $2 are now spending like $20 to buy it all back per album because God loves a good joke, I think. So let's talk about, let's talk about albums for a moment. Okay, there's two, there's really uh, three kinds of albums. We're only going to discuss two today. You're thinking to yourself, what in the world did I walk into? Trust me on this, we're going to get to the Psalms. Because this is all about music. The Psalms are music. The song Psalms are songs designed to be sung together. So first you have your live albums, right? These are just bands, they record them live. They're phenomenal, Okay. Different sermon, different time. Okay, then you have your greatest hits albums. Okay, I have a collection of these here. No judgment. This is a judgment-free zone. Uh, this right here, uh, I really bought this for my wife. That's my disclaimer. This is Air Supply's greatest hits. Okay, those of you who don't know, thank me. Okay, Air Supply's greatest hits. Uh, if you don't understand the name, ask your parents. This is uh, the best of the doobies. The Doobie Brothers, okay? A lot of great songs on here. The best selling greatest album of all time is The Eagles Greatest Hits Volume 1. It is amazing. It has all of their greatest songs on it, which is why it's called Their Greatest Hits. It's fantastic. Okay, This is different, though, than a concept album. A concept album is an album that is constructed and designed. You're supposed to listen to like the whole album because the whole album is telling a story. One of my favorites is Paul Simon's One Trick Pony. This is also a soundtrack to a fantastic movie that you've probably never seen because it bombed at the box office because Paul Simon's not a good actor. But he's a great songwriter. And this album is all, it's songs about life on the road for a singer-songwriter trying to make it. And so all the songs are about that. Probably the best concept album of all time is Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. And apparently, if you play this album, I see people nodding, so this is, good. This is you're gonna enjoy this. If you play this album while watching The Wizard of Oz, and perhaps have imbibed it in some illegal substances this album makes a whole bunch more sense than it does but anyway this is one of the greatest concept albums of all time now finally i was to tell you leonard's back there going i may this may be a really bad mistake i maybe shouldn't have two weeks in a row but this right here is hotel california this is by the eagles This is their greatest concept album, and many of you think that Hotel California is about a satanic church somewhere, and that this is why you can check out, but you can never leave, and that is not true. This is a concept album about the music scene in California and how it basically sucks the life out of you, and when you sign a recording contract, you can basically never get out of it, and they take all of your money. That's what this entire album about is about. It's a concept album. So if you just listen to greatest hits albums, you'll be like, oh wow, this, this band's great. But if you listen to the concept album, you understand the whole of what the band was trying to say when they wrote that one particular song that went to number one. It's like watching Frozen. And get, and getting to the last song and going, how is this last song here? Well, you have to listen to the whole thing. Right? You have to listen to the whole of it. So the greatest concept album of all time you have in your pews with you right now, that is the Psalms. The Psalms are not a greatest hits. They have not, they're not a collection of randomly selected songs that somebody was like, ooh, this is a good one. And this is a good one too. Oh, and I really like this one. The Psalms are a carefully constructed concept album whose purpose is to tell a story of redemption from Psalm one to Psalm 150 so when we jump into Psalm 150 and we hear praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with lute and harp praise him with tambourine and dance praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with sounding cymbals praise him with loud clashing cymbals let everything that has breath, praise the Lord, when we're in a situation like this we ask how in the heck am I going to get to that place. That makes no sense. Do you know how bad life is? It is incredibly hard. It is incredibly difficult. But the thing that we know is true is that we were created the intent of our creation is that we are created to worship. Specifically, we were created to praise Yahweh. That's what this psalm is about. This psalm is about doing the thing that we were created to do, which is to praise Yahweh. Which then begs the question, on days like today, in circumstances like we find ourselves, we have to ask the question, how can we praise God when life is what it is? How do we get to Psalm 150 when life is what it is? And hopefully this morning... Uh, through a little interaction with song, we're gonna, we're gonna see if we can't get from here to there. So, I wanna propose three things to you. The first one is this. That one of the things this Psalm calls us to do is to praise everything about Him. This Psalm causes, calls us to praise everything about Him, which is our call to understanding. So you have to ask, okay, why should I praise Him? Well, the Psalm tells you, you gotta love it when a Psalm is is made for like basically Sermon 101. Why should I praise Him? Uh, you should praise Him in His sanctuary and praise Him in His mighty heavens. In other words, you should praise God just for the fact that He is who He is. He's God. He's in heaven. And he's in his mighty heavens, he's in his sanctuary, he's in a place that you are not, and therefore he is God and you are creature, and you should praise him for that reason alone. That's enough to praise him just for who he is. In other words, you praise him for his Yahweh-ness. So if you are sitting in a row where there is a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to grab it now because this is going to be a largely visual sermon. Okay, over and over and over and over again in the Psalms, there is a word. It appears 695 times in the Psalms. It is the word Lord, L-O-R-D, capital L-O-R-D, and I'm sure Leonard has covered this with you many, many times, but because it's 695 times in the Psalms, I'm going to cover it again. L-O-R-D is the personal covenant name of the Lord. It is his personal name. It is the name that he uses to enter into legal contracts with people. Right? Called covenants. It is his covenant name. Okay? And so what this psalm says is, it starts off, praise the capital L-O-R-D. It ends with praise the capital L-O-R-D. So what it's saying is praise God just for the fact of He is who He is. Praise Him for that because He is who you are not. What this says is that worship, worship of God is the, is probably the hardest thing that we do because we want praise for ourselves. And what this says is no, praise that guy because He is who you are not. He is the Lord. So we praise who he is and then we praise him for what he has done. It says in verse two, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. In other words, we're supposed to praise him, not just because he is who he is, but because he acts based on who he is. And this brings up our first question of the day. Okay. Say people who are suffering. Let's talk about praising him for his mighty deeds. Let's talk about praising him according to his excellent greatness. I'm having a hard time getting there. I find myself at Psalm 150, and I'm like, can we talk for a minute about his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness? Because I'm not feeling it or experiencing it right now, so I'm having a really hard time getting to Psalm 150. Can you help me? And again, this is where concept album versus greatest hits album becomes extremely important. Because if you find yourself here, what you're saying is, I'm sorry, did you put the needle on track 150? No, 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 no. you got to go back and put the needle on track one. And you have to listen to the whole album before Psalm 150 is going to make any sense at all. You're skipping around, and when you skip around, you miss. You miss what's actually being told. See, because Scripture's not asking you for for you to blindly react to something. It's saying, listen to the whole album, and then you'll get it. You'll be like, oh... Oh, I understand. See, I thought Hotel California was like a satanic cult. I couldn't leave. No, no, no. Did you listen to the whole album? Because the whole album's not about that. You just picked one line. And of course it makes sense because that's crazy. But if you listen to the whole album, you'll understand it's clearly about a band is stuck in a music contract that they don't like. They're trying to get out of it. Oh, see so me. There's other songs on the album. Yes, there's other songs on the album. They're important. You should listen to them. So in the next 10 minutes. That's what I've given myself for this section. We're gonna go through 18 Psalms. If, 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 um, if Rich can cover the entire scripture of redemptive history in a sermon, I can try to do 150 sermons in basically 10 minutes. We're gonna see, but we're gonna, we're gonna try, cause his skills are, you know, Jedi-like. So, uh, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, if you open your Bibles to Psalm 1, you will see a psalm that many of you have memorized. Okay? It works this way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the seat of, in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is on the law of the all caps Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, love this one, in all that he does he prospers in all that he does. He prospers. Oh, if I just obey God, everything's going to be amazing. The wicked are not. So they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I am going to assert to you that if you take this Psalm and, and put it in the garden, of Eden, it makes a lot of sense. This is the way you have your best life. Do these things. Okay. I got a blueprint. I just have to follow the rules and everything's going to be amazing, apparently. So then we find ourselves at Psalm 22. So the thing you have to know is the the Psalms are divided into five books. Book one, book two, book three, book four, book five. And again, imagine it like a five album set on a concept album. Okay? Each album is its own kind of movement in a symphony to totally switch genres. So in the middle of book one, we find this psalm. Smack in the middle, of book one, that started with, hey, if you avoid all the bad people and do all the right things, everything you does prospers. First line of Psalm 22, the psalm smack in the middle of the first book says this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry day by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. Well, that's a really odd Psalm to be in the middle of a book that started off, if you do everything great, everything amazing is going to happen. This person must have done something completely horrible. But that's not what this Psalm is about. This Psalm's just like, what the heck is going on? Why is it so bad? And what's the next Psalm after that one? The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is my shepherd. I shall not want... He makes me lie down in green shepherds. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. You comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely in goodness, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the all caps Lord forever. Who in the world puts that psalm right up against the psalm that it was just up against? That doesn't seem to make really any sense at all. Unless you're working on a concept album. Unless you're trying to drive somebody to think about something. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I am alone and I feel embattled on every side. Do you know what I need? I need somebody stronger than me because I am afraid who can protect me. That's what Psalm 23 is. Psalm 23 makes a lot of sense with Psalm 22. They make sense together. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, you're going to help me to lie down in green pastures. A couple things about this. We've all seen the picture of Jesus with his nice white hair feathered back like you do in the 1980s with a little lamb across his shoulders, right? Because that's comfortable and comfy and makes us feel happy, right? But that's not, that's not what this is talking about. You don't want to know why the rod and staff comfort the person who's singing the psalm? Because you have to think of shepherds of ancient Egypt like ninjas, right? The reason that they have a rod and a staff is so they can crack the skull of a wolf wide open. Okay? That was an for those of you who weren't paying attention. Shepherds were not to be messed with. There is a reason why the rod and the staff comfort me. Your AR-15 and your howitzers comfort me. That's not a picture of like, oh, look at the sweet little shepherd. They're like, you want to stay away from that guy. Because if you mess with his sheep, he's going to crack your skull open. That's why he's comforting. Liam quoted this. Psalm 34, still in book one. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, all caps, Lord. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's Psalms 34, 18. Still, we are in book one. Book two starts off with this. Remember how book one started? Book two starts this way. Psalm 42 and 43, which I preached here after Myra's wedding. I preached Psalm one of book two. It says this. Why so downcast, O my soul? Why turmoil within me? And then it says, I will again praise him. This is a psalm about sorrow and suffering. It's about a person who says, your waves are washing over me. They're crushing me. I can't keep my head above water. What is going on? I am in despair and I am in distress. Because by now, as a person's journeyed through life, they're like, hey, you know what? I, No matter how hard I try to do everything right, things do not always work out great. Some days are really, really hard. In the middle of book two, right in the middle of book two, we have a psalm that you know. Psalm 51. This is David's psalm. And it's David's psalm about how horrifically he sinned. He murdered somebody. He intentionally sent them off to be killed in war so he could have the guy's wife. Generations later, I have to, you have to imagine that the descendants of of Uriah's parents are singing this psalm and they're like, this is about my great uncle. This is about how my great uncle got slaughtered. And the king had to apologize for this. And the Lord forgave him. Psalm 51 is about our sinfulness. Psalm 73 is a psalm I've also preached here. It's Psalm 1 of book 3 and it basically says this. It's a retelling of Psalm 1 because Psalm 73 is halfway through the Jewish Old Testament structure. Psalm 73 is the halfway point. And it basically says this, using a lot of the language of Psalm 1, it says, Yeah, so why are the wicked prospering? Because when I look out, it seems like the wicked are prospering and the righteous are kind of getting it in the face. And in fact, the righteous have it so bad that the people are following the wicked and make a mockery out of you. Oh, wait, wait, oh, never mind. I see their future. Their future is that you are going to crush them like a bug, which is awesome because finally they get what they got coming to them. So Psalm 73 works this way. Why do the wicked get what I deserve? Then it's, oh, the wicked totally get what they deserve. And then the end of Psalm 73 is like, oh, wait, I just realized I was envying. I was brutish towards you. So I deserve to get wiped out too. Um, Yeah. Hey, um, I don't want what I deserve. If that would be okay. I would just appreciate not getting what I deserve. Um, so, just can we just say you're awesome? That's Psalm seventy-three, the halfway point, where trying to live our lives and thinking that if we do good things, God owes us something, which is not what Psalm one is about. But Psalm seventy-three is like, I get it now. This is not what it's about. Psalm eighty-eight says, "Darkness is my closest friend." There's no good news in Psalm eighty-eight. Psalm 89 says, you have a mighty arm, strong as your hand. Psalm 89 now is about power. So the first half has been a lot of horrible things are happening to people and they're confused and it's really bad but notice we're starting to get a turn and by the time we get to psalm 90 which is a psalm of moses in book four is the first psalm of book four it says lord you have been my dwelling place for all generations it's about awe and wonder psalm 105 which myra read says for the lord is good his steadfast love endures forever his faithfulness to all generations Psalm 107, which is the first psalm of book five, says, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. And I also have a piece of paper here. Oh, I have a thing for dropping paper up here, don't I? Uh, There are some other psalms. Psalm 27, which was also read, the congregation sang this at the funeral, It says, I believe I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 120, which is the beginning of the Psalms of Ascent. So once a year, the people of God would make their way to the temple in Jerusalem. And and the Psalms of Ascent were psalms that they sang as they went there. It's It's like the cassette tape you play on a family vacation. Right you're like oh somebody have our traveling traveling music yes these are the psalms of ascent so the first one is the person realizing i i it's time to go time to do the time to go to jerusalem it says this psalm 120 in my distress i called to the all caps lord and he answered me deliver me o lord from lying lips and from my deceitful tongue What shall be given you and what shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of a broom tree. Woe to me uh, that I dwell among the tents of Kadar. Too long have I kept my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. So the person's basically saying, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I need to go somewhere else. So Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heavens and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper, the L-O-R-D is your the shade of your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forevermore you're going on a journey you're going to need protection the Lord is going to do that for you Psalm 136 is a great psalm it's a very long psalm but I have half of it memorized you ready I have have 50% of it memorized basically I have every other stanza you ready okay I'm trying to remember how the beginning go okay for the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. For the steadfast love endures forever. For his steadfast love endures forever. If you look at Psalm 136, half of it is the steadfast love endures forever. And it's a retelling of all of Israel's history in Psalm 136. It's as though the people maybe needed to remember that as difficult as life was, The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Most of the Psalms, right, were written before the end of, like, kings. Here's what's happened to the people of Israel during that time. Their firstborn children were slaughtered by the king, by Pharaoh. Many of the first people who sang Psalms, their children died. Think about that. People died of disease. People were disabled. People were murdered. People were swindled. People had daughters who were assaulted. They sang these songs. They sang all of these psalms together. So, here's what you need to know. The psalms, these psalms, encourage us to praise the Lord because of his willingness to answer every single one of our fallen, fragile, and finite cries and questions and emotions that come out of Psalms 1 through 149 with a singular answer of his steadfast love and faithfulness, Jesus. The answer to every single one of these Psalms is Jesus. Where is my hope? People are dying. I am dying. My spouse is dying. My children are dying. People are assailing me on every side. Our kingdom is falling. From where does my help come? I have to go on a long journey. I don't understand what is happening. L-O-R-D. 695 times for a reason. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He will make you a promise, and He will deliver on it, and that delivery has happened. It's Jesus, and so that concludes point one. Don't worry if I was if I was doing a sermon for uh, for seminary, I'd be getting an F right now because all your points are supposed to be balanced, right? You're supposed to give the same amount of time to each point. But you know what? I'm not in seminary anymore, so I'm good. It's going to be unbalanced. So point one is praise everything about him and the psalms are everything about him that's what the psalms are is they are everything about him that involves us and so now that we have the motivation down for praising him i want us to know that we should praise him with everything that we have we should praise him with everything that we have a diversity of instruments that's what it says right here you have the bass guitar you have uh, a drum kit uh, have an acoustic guitar, have a electric piano there, uh, ukuleles, mandolins, trumpets. So this is not an exhaustive list of instruments that can be used in worship. Right? What this is saying is, you can use anything. Just use everything to praise me. It's a diversity of instruments. It's a diversity of talents because each one of those things to be played requires a person with a set of talents to play them. Right? The person who can play the guitar maybe can't play the drums can't play the keyboards. You're going to need different people with different talents. And what this says is that we are supposed to praise him with everything that we have. Which means different instruments and different talents. Which means in our work, we're praising God in our work, regardless of what our work is. Because all of life is worship. Right? So a diversity of talents is praising the Lord. And we're supposed to praise him with a diversity of emotions. And how do I know that this is true? Because I just spent 15 minutes talking about the diversity of emotions that people exhibit and experience and they are designed to be song, sung as songs. To the Lord. Depression, sing that to me as worship. I'm angry at you. Sing that to me as worship. I am confused about what is going on. Sing that to me as worship. I feel surrounded on every side. Sing that to me is worship. We're going to write a song about that. You're going to sing. It's going to be great. What? Yes. I want you to sing to me with all of yourself. I love this part. It says, praise him with sounding symbols. Praise him with loud clashing symbols. I actually think this is a mistranslation. I'm going to tell you the proper translation. You can cross off symbols and write in the wrong one. Here's what it actually says. Praise him with sounding cowbells. Praise him with loud clashing cowbells. Effectively, what this is saying is we're going to need more cowbell. Right? That's what this psalm says. We're going to need more cowbell. Well, I'm, I, you know, I'm feeling kind of sad today. I mean, I need to kind of put on my not so sad mask today. No! I need more cowbell. Bring your full grief into me today. I don't know if the church can heal. Bring me more cowbell. I can't hear it. I need more. I need you to walk around. As as Leonard said, I need you to walk around with obnoxiousness. Right? We've all seen the SNL skit of Will Ferrell. Bang, 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 bang in the guy's ear. The Lord wants more cowbell from you. The Lord does not need you to be restrained in your worship of him. He wants all of it out there. Anger, frustration, confusion, joy, sadness, sor Whatever you have, bring it to him as worship. He wants us praising him with everything that we have. That's what loud clashing symbols means. Go for it. Go all in. And finally, he wants us to direct everything to praise him. Every single person in this room has somebody that you are in contact with that is not yet praising the Lord. And they need to be. Because that is what they were created to do. We learn that from Psalm 1 and Psalm 150... That they were created. To praise the Lord. Those who are joyful. Should be praising the Lord. Those who are rich. Should be praising the Lord. Those who are poor. Should be praising the Lord. Those who are well educated. Should be praising the Lord. Those who are not well educated. Should be praising the Lord. Those who. Experience attractions to people of the opposite sex. Should be praising the Lord. People who are waiting to experience attractions to people of the opposite sex should be praising the Lord. Everyone should be praising the Lord. Even the sorrowful. What's happened to the Bailey family is, is horrific. I can't tell you that I know what they're going through, but I can tell you I've experienced a part of it. Uh, my biological father was, is really had two skills making money, and beating women and children unconscious. When I was, uh, they divorced. My mom remarried literally the greatest guy in the world, Marine. Two Vietnam tours, I just want to say. He is wonderful. My mom and he remarried when I was about eight. When I was 12, he fell and hit his head on the corner of a step and was permanently disabled, permanent brain damage. We went on welfare. Six months later, my mother came out of the back bedroom and told me to go to the neighbor's house. And then she began blood-curdling screams because she'd found our sister dead, or my sister dead, of crib death. We did not have the support of a church. I don't ever remember going to church before that day. But what I do remember is my mom succumbing to drugs and alcohol and grief and becoming homeless and dying from complications from homelessness. And I'm not saying that that's the fault of people not being around. I'm just saying that being able to have your grief in a congregation, which is what the Psalms are about, is so important. There are people that you know that are hurting, that are desperate. They're going to go through things similar to what the Baileys are going to go through. And they could go through them alone. Or they could go through them with you. And you all have done just the most amazing job of loving them and loving each other because you've all experienced a horrible loss. And you get to come into this church every Sunday and sing together. The Psalms are a collection of, of singing what is true that we don't feel and there are also a collection of psalms that we sing that are that we feel but we don't think are true. And we get to come in here every single day and sing songs. We're like, well, I'm not feeling that today. Well, That's okay the person next to you is, so just sing. It's okay, that's what these psalms are. These psalms remind us that not everybody is where we are. It is hard. It is hard to praise the Lord and dice like this. Because we spend our entire lives between Psalm 1 and Psalm 149. Psalm 150 is God's way of saying, listen, I know everything you're going through. And my answer is, I am the God of steadfast love and faithfulness. Who will bring you home? And I will bring you home not because you have done everything I told you to do. I will bring you home because I'm the God of steadfast love and faithfulness who answers every single one of my promises with Jesus, not you. That is what is supposed to get us to praise the Lord, to praise God in his sanctuary, to praise him in his mighty heavens, to praise him for his mighty deeds, to praise him according to his excellent greatness, to praise him with trumpet sound, to praise him with lute and harp, to praise him with tambourine and dance, to praise him with strings and pipe, to praise him with sounding cymbals, to praise him with loud clashing cymbals, to let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. The answer to the question, how am I supposed to get here, is the is this... Because this is the only hope that we have. Otherwise, this is all a nightmare that we don't wake up from. But Psalm 150 is, listen, I'm going to take you home to where you belong. And I promise you that it's going to happen. And the proof that it's going to happen is this. He is risen. risen Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Psalm 150. Thank you that on days like today, even though we think to ourselves, how in the world can we get there? That the answer is because it is the only place we can go. Because you are with us through every single one of the Psalms. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to worship you as humans and to worship you because you are the God of steadfast love and faithfulness who answers every single one of our cries and emotions and questions with Jesus. Father, thank you for your son in whose name we pray. Amen.